Man, we having fun yet? <laughs> I don't know about you. I've never actually met anybody who has blue suede shoes. But every time I hear that song, like you think of Elvis right away, right? And there's something kind of in this series that we've been looking at that we're calling tailor-made that I love about, like, that connects to that song. That there's like a piece of that wardrobe that instantly makes you think of one person. And that's the idea here. That God has a tailor-made approach to every single one of us. That there's something unique about you, about your personality, about your circumstances, about your life, that God wants to uniquely connect with. That when God sees that, he thinks of you and says, I know just what they need. You know, as I thought about this, this series, it reminded me, when I was probably, I, I had to be like 13, like it was like junior high. And this was um, just a little while ago, so baggy pants were like the really cool thing. And like every day, it's like people arguing who has the baggier jeans. Well, I was in luck because my dad is 6'5", and my dad had a corduroy custom suit made for him. So I'm hunting through my dad's closet, because if you want baggy pants, get them from somebody like eight inches taller than you. And so I took just the pants from his corduroy suit, and I wore them out with my friends that night. And I'm like, I'm having to pull them up to here, literally folding like half of the pants over, put a belt around that thing, wear a sweatshirt so it doesn't look too lumpy. Man, did I have the baggiest pants you've ever seen in your life, and I knew I was cool. <laughs> And as I look back on it, it was, it was one of the most uncomfortable days of my life. Like when you have four layers of pants folded over in front of you. Because the reality was, they weren't my pants, right? They weren't made for me. The suit that I'm wearing today, this was made for me. This is significantly more comfortable. The way that it moves, the way that it wears. I love this suit because it's mine. Like it was custom fit for my needs and for my person and for who I am. And that's how God approaches each and every one of us. And so as we go through this a little bit more today, one of the things that I want you to think about is how God might be custom-fitting your spiritual journey, your journey of exploring, as you sit here today to learn and to understand who God is. Because really, in all of this, clothes is just a metaphor, right? And what, what we've do, done to try to help us understand how this connects to our daily lives is we've been talking about some of our core values at Horizon. And so the one we're going to look at today is called Everybody Helps Out. Now, when I say everybody helps out at my house, this is what I get. Uh, I don't want to help. I want to play video games or whatever they're doing, right? But there's actually something really, let's say, exciting when God lays an opportunity in front of you, when life lays an opportunity in front of you, and you get that sweet feeling that you did something, not for the recognition, but just to help somebody else. And so as we think about that, part of what we've been doing in this series is talking about how we have three different environments where you can experience all of these kinds of things. One of those is exploring environments. Places where there's no prior Bible knowledge required, just an excellent place to start to understand and ask questions and push back on who is God? Is the Bible trustworthy? Is it possible that God really is who he says he is? And as you move through that, we also have connecting environments. You know, places like the comedy night that we did recently. 
honestly, places like our cafe out here, even in the middle of a Sunday morning, where we can just bump into other people who might be on that same journey asking some of those same questions. We also have equipping environments. And those are things like the equipping service, like some of our study groups, where still you, you may not have any Bible knowledge coming in, but it's a chance to dig a little bit deeper into what does the Bible actually say for itself. But one thing I don't want you to miss is that as we move through these environments, we're also always looking for how can I go one step back and engage or help somebody who is where I was. You know, maybe I've been in a connecting environment this week, I was exploring last week, I might be again next week, and how can I move back and invite a friend to join me on a journey like that? And everybody helps out as part of that. And so as you think about that core value, I I know in one sense it's like, I want you to hear up front, okay? If you're exploring God, Jesus, the Bible, you're not convinced about these things, there is no part of me today that wants to, like, guilt trip you into, well, you really ought to be serving the Lord. You really ought to be helping the church. And then, like, I'll pass around a sign-up sheet with a pen, and you put your name and your email, right? Like, you'll notice there's no sign-up sheet going around the room right now. Because actually, this core value comes from Jesus himself. He said to some of his closest friends in the book of Mark that even the Son of Man, a nickname Jesus uses for himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And the way he did that was by giving his life as a ransom for many. Like that is the message of the Bible in a nutshell. That Jesus came not to bask in the glory, even though it calls him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He came to serve, to give his life, to pay the penalty for everything that we've done wrong so that we could know God and live with him forever. So everything else that we talk about in terms of serving others, serving our community here, near, and far, is trying to follow Jesus' example. And so in just a minute, you're going to hear a song. I love how Bob Dylan can just be so on the nose with this. He has a song that's called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And kind of the idea that if I think I don't serve, that's probably not true. I probably just don't realize what I am serving. So as you listen to that song, think about in your life, who do you serve? What do you serve? Where might you serve? And then after that, you'll see a video from my friend Phil. You'll notice that he's sitting in an airplane hangar because he's like an expert in the world of airplanes. But he talks a little bit about what it was like to come to Horizon and be served and then turn around and start serving others. Enjoy. When we moved to Cincinnati eight years ago, uh, we found a different city than we thought it was. Uh, Most of the people were born and raised here. And the first question is, where did you go to school? And I thought that meant college. No, 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 they meant grad school or high school. So it it was difficult from this guy from Washington, D.C., New York City, and broadcasting and his wife to really uh, assimilate. And we went on the typical newcomer to a town church search. And so we went to this just because it had been suggested by somebody and I'm not even a good friend, that we try this uh, private day school. And we went to it, and it was Horizon, uh, which we found very, very inviting. Uh, We met the pastor the very first day when we were there. People recognized us as new. They weren't trying to look beyond us as they greeted us at the door to somebody that they knew, but they took the time with us. 
Now, uh, the, the church has grown, and we're now the people who help greet in many cases. And a lot of times, I'll spot a newcomer, or somebody maybe I know who's there for the first time. And I, I try to impress on them the fact that this is a church for everyone. When we're greeting, Lois and I will look for people who probably are new, faces we haven't seen before, and try to take them aside and spend a little time with them, indicating that there are two types of services. The equipping service, we call it, but that means nothing to them at the time. But if you're not really into the Bible, um, then this is a way to learn verse by verse what's going on. But that may be too a little, a little too deep at first. So if uh, we try to encourage them to go to the exploring service, and we can show them how God, religion, play a role in their everyday life, their marriage, their business, their work, their relationships. And so the, the neat thing about Horizon for us is that you serve a broader group of people. I think my favorite thing that Phil says in that video, I mean, I, lo I love that when they came, they felt like other people were serving them, watching out for them, paying special attention to them. I, I love that he says that now it's us. Now, now we're the ones greeting others and maybe looking for somebody who is here for the first time. But I think my favorite thing is that he says that Horizon is a church for everybody. So I'm going to give you a little Bible trivia because I know that's why you're here this morning. Did you know that the word church has nothing to do with buildings? It has nothing to do with denominations or traditions or backgrounds. The word church actually refers to a group of people. The word church refers to the group of people who trust Jesus and gather together to talk about that, dig into the word. And so really, that's what the church is for. It's for people. And so as I listen to him share, as I, as I think about my own experience, and actually as you look at the history of the church, the group of people exploring what it means to follow Jesus Christ, there's kind of this crazy moment in a book called Acts where they have explosive growth. Now, through this series, most of the stories that we've looked at are coming from the book of Acts. So if you're not familiar with that book, it's part of kind of the second half of the Bible that we call the New Testament. And it follows right after what we call the Gospels. But more simply, there are four books written by four of Jesus' closest friends, some of the greatest historians in that day, who wrote biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts comes right after that. So after Jesus has died, risen, and returned to heaven, now his friends, his followers, are trying to figure out how do we tell everybody else about this Jesus? About his tailor-made approach to us and how he wants to meet them wherever they are at. How do we spread the word? And so they start essentially mimicking his tailor-made approach to the people around them. And it goes really well, to the point that as we come to Acts chapter 6 today, listen to this, just in the first couple lines of the chapter. It says, now in those days when the number of the disciples, that's people who trusted Jesus, was multiplying, not just adding, not just listening, they were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. More people... More problems. Isn't that a surprise? <laughs> but there's a legitimate problem here, okay? Because in that day, the widow is somebody who had been married, 
had been relying on the man to bring income while she took care of the home, while she took care of the property, while she took care of their servants. And so if he's gone, where does her income come from? Their society and their culture was kind of in an unhealthy way, not set up for that. And so in a big way, that's where God's people, the church, would step in and say, we have to help take care of them. If there's a need, if there are people hungry, we can't just sit around looking spiritual and feeling good about religion. Like, see a need, meet a need. And so what's happening here is you've got a sudden combination of, like, two different families. Hebrews, which were Jewish-speaking, and Hellenists, which were Greek-speaking. And somehow, maybe because of a language barrier, the Greek-speaking are not getting served. So rather than say, not our problem, look at how these disciples try to figure this out. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, essentially what they're saying is not, tables is not a worthy calling. I mean, you'll see that soon. What they're saying is, there's so much work to be done here, we're gonna need help. We have to keep studying the Bible, we have to keep teaching God's word, but we have to help feed these people. We have to meet the need in our community. And so it says in the next line, Therefore, brethren... Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Essentially, everybody helps out. We've got to find others who can help. And from just this one verse, we're going to come back to this a few times, we see essentially three qualifications show up for who these helpers need to be. And in fact, every one of them could describe Jesus himself. Two of them, the first two, are incredibly practical. So, like, as you're sitting here this morning, as you're watching online, if you're sitting out in the atrium, if you're thinking, I'm not even sure about Jesus, God, and the Bible, so you can keep talking, but we'll just see where this goes. The first two of these are so incredibly practical, they will help you in any field, any time, anyway. And then it's the third one that becomes a little more like, hmm, spiritual? A little more reliant more specifically on who God is. But let's take the first one here. That first phrase you see underlined, he wants them to find people from among you. Right? We don't need to set out a headhunter. We don't, we don't need to get all over LinkedIn. Just look at the group of people who are here and say, who knows the need better than the people who are here? Let's find somebody right here who can help out. So here's how I've kind of paraphrased that. I think what he's saying is you want to tailor your service to the people you serve. Now, that's a, that's a really practical instruction, because if you think about tailor-made, you think about style, even just in our own country from coast to coast, there is a wide variety of styles. The way you might tailor a suit for a guy in New York is different than it might be for a guy in Cincinnati, is different than it might be for a guy in San Francisco. You want to tailor it to the location that you're in. Or you think about this from like a marketing perspective. If you're trying to start a company in an area and you want to have a really good product and you want to know that it's something people are going to use and something people are going to need, one option is develop your product and then try to convince everybody they need it. The other option is you do market research, right? You find out who are the people that live here. What do they need? What is their income level? What kinds of things are they interested in? Is it entertainment? Is it something more of a necessity? And then you generate a product to match that need. See, that's what he's kind of saying here. Who knows the people? Who knows the need? How can we tailor our service to the place, 
to the people that we serve. So when you look at Horizon, we're situated in Cincinnati. That this is a unique place on the planet. That in, in one sense, some of the things that we do here in Cincinnati, you could do in New York. You could do in San Francisco. You could do anywhere else. Like, explore the Bible together. Absolutely, there's something that is broadly applicable about that, hypothetically, anywhere on the planet. But something just as simple as having the Bible in English instead of Greek and Hebrew is because someone was trying to tailor their service to the people they serve. That a couple of decades ago, when Horizon kind of first appeared on the scene, I I wasn't even around, they were looking at our friends, our neighbors, in Marymount, Indian Hill, Terrace Park, Anderson. How do we bring a chance to comfortably connect with God to these specific communities? And as I'm driving downtown and I'm seeing the needs in our city, where is it that God might have positioned me that I could be part of his tailor-made response to this unique place in this unique time? And even at Horizon, you know, like Phil, like some of our greeters that you see here, I'll, I'll bet you recognize these people. How is it that God might have me here at Horizon as part of what he's doing, not only in my life, but in the lives of other people. Now, I've got to pause there to admit, it's not as if people seeking Jesus are the only people who care about the needs in the city, right? They're not the only people who serve others. That would be kind of silly to assume. What's interesting, though, is that as you read through the Bible, one of the things you discover, as we saw from Jesus, Jesus is a helper. God is a helper, Jesus says that he himself came to serve. That's why he was here. And it will even tell you that this is something that God has built into us. And so as much as I can be like my kids, and and when somebody asks for help, you feel like, ah, but Tuesday I was going to do this other thing, or but that's my Saturdays, you know. You feel that sometimes. Yet, I'll bet you've also felt those really sweet moments when you go out of your way, And maybe it costs you money, maybe it costs you time, maybe it costs you energy, but you do something for somebody else, for a friend, for a neighbor, even for a stranger, and you get that deep sense of satisfaction, like even though nobody clapped for you and nobody paid you for it, and you just feel like, I helped today. I felt good. The Bible would say that's because that's the very character of God that he has built into us that we actually long to be helpers. And here at Horizon, getting a chance to to volunteer, to serve, I I was talking to one friend earlier this week. I warned him I was going to share a little bit of this because what he discovered was that before ever really even thinking about do I want to follow Jesus myself, um, his wife was attending here at Horizon. Some friends of his were attending here at Horizon. And so he was like, well, okay, I'll I'll be supportive. You know, I'll, I'll come along for the ride. And what he found was that when he started volunteering, not because he was a Christ follower, but just because he wanted to help out, it was actually one of the best ways to connect to other people here and to get kind of a behind-the-scenes peek. (laughs) Like, are these people really who they say they are? Are these people really all about what they say they're all about? Are there any ulterior motives here? 
And he had a lot of fun just getting to know other people as a part of his journey. Other people that he could walk the journey with. And sometime later, he did end up also deciding for himself, you know what? These people aren't perfect. I I think they are trying to faithfully understand God. And you know what? That's what I want too. And he chose to follow Christ in his life. And that's, I got to tell you, that's one of the things that's so intriguing to me. Just from my own experience here at Horizon, maybe you've experienced this too. When we show up on a weekend like this, I love it. I love that there are so many people and I get to wave a thousand times and say hello and, and learn names and, and instantly forget them and then ask you again next week and like all of that stuff. And sometimes I apologize ahead of time. Reality is, this weekend experience, it's pretty hard to connect when so many people are in and out. I've had more people tell me that they get to know more people by volunteering than any other way. Like, you spend one evening with us down at City Gospel Mission. We're, we're down there about three times a month. You can find those details on the website. You know, we show them on the screens around the building. You go down there for one night, spend a couple of hours serving together a real need in our city with, like, 12 other people, and you come home and you're like, I never even saw them before. Like, how awesome. I feel like I know people from Horizon that are on this journey with me. See, that's some of the value that comes through everybody helps out instead of just like an elite few or whatever that may look like. And so as we come back to verse three, I want to show you that same verse again, because you'll notice after saying, seek them out from among you, the next thing is he says, find seven men of good reputation. So not just one guy, find seven. We want a group of people who can do this together, but specifically of good reputation. That's kind of their second qualification. And and you notice, I think that's really interesting because that means before going out to find these seven people, there's a sense that there are already people at work. That they're not serving because they were chosen. They're chosen because they were serving. It reminds me, I feel like all through this kind of last couple years of crisis, I keep seeing people use this um, Mr. Rogers quote. (laughs) Like, when there's a crisis... Look for the helpers. Like, oh, that's really good. Hey, I wonder if anybody would look for me. (laughs) Am I a helper or am I just kind of watch things go by, you know? And that's what this feels like. Like, we know there are people out there who are willing to help, so go out there and get seven of them. Seven of the helpers. Seven of the people that are already engaged in this. They've got a good reputation. And so that's really the second qualification that comes out of this verse. Build a good reputation for helping out. Build a good reputation for helping out. That's how we want to present ourselves. And you know, it reminds me, like, I think when I hear that, if that's our second qualification, it's like, well, I want to be that. And I think about, like, maybe my grandfather. Even my great-grandfather. You remember when people talk about, like, there used to be a day when, like, a man's word was his bond. And when a woman said something, you knew that she meant it. And maybe like me, you start picturing black and white photos or sepia tone or like the good old days that I wasn't even alive for. But like, because these days, like everybody's like, everybody's a wonderful person. If you go by like their LinkedIn page, right? You had no idea that every single person in the United States is so perfectly qualified for whatever it is. Um, What happened to those days where it's just like, hey, I I trust him because that I've seen his reputation. 
Well, I think that's still around, but my, my great-grandpa was, I'm biased, I know, a great example of this. This is my great-grandpa, AJ, and his wife, Millicent, and their daughter, Millicent, and their son, LaRue. And my grandpa, like, I, I can go all over this country, like I literally have, and because my last name, Thorwall, it's a pretty unique last name, so to, to the point that, like, the long story short is when he came over from Sweden and he's going through Ellis Island, his name was Axel Torvald Johansson. So they said, okay, you're Axel Johnson now. And as the story goes, he looks at the list, he says, there are too many Johnsons on here. So he switches Johansson and Torvald and becomes Axel Johnson Thorwald. Almost every other Torvald comes through as Torvald Thorwald or some similar thing. So if you meet a Thorwald, I'm related to them somehow. And so I have these like super weird times where I'm like, I'm at a conference or something and somebody walks up to me, sees my name tag and says, Thorwald? Well, do you know AJ Thorwald? Like, that's my great grandpa. Who in the world are you? (laughs) You know, and they would tell me stories about how he helped them. And I found that one of the reasons that this happened is because when he came from Sweden, my great-grandpa and and my great-grandma Millicent, the town that they settled in in Minnesota, they were surrounded by Swedish people. And there was really this push in the Swedish community to stay Swedish. We're going to keep speaking Swedish. You know, we know we came to America, but we don't want to deal with all this stuff, and I don't feel like learning English. And they were two of the people in their community that said, no, we have neighbors here. We want to make friends here. We have to be able to engage them. We have to tailor our service to the people that we now live among. And so I, I just can't even fathom, like, like he was studying, like, Bible stuff, and he's learning Hebrew and Greek in English, even though he speaks Swedish. Like, where did that brain go? <laughs> and when he was in Sweden, he was a blacksmith. So he was incredibly strong. And there are stories that, like, he could hold his blacksmith's hammer at arm's length for 30 minutes. I cannot hold my arm at arm's length for like five minutes. Like, where is that DNA? Okay. But here's my great grandpa and my great grandpa. And they would start going door to door as they were learning English, just meeting neighbors and asking them, how can we help? And actually doing it. That little boy that's, that's sitting on his knee, LaRue, (laughs) that's my grandpa. I love this stuff. Like, isn't my grandpa so cute? Isn't he a cute little grandpa right there? (laughs) He passed away just a couple of years ago at 92. But one-year-old grandpa is like the sweetest thing I've ever seen. And the sweetishest thing I've ever seen. And I'll tell you what. When I, I mean, he learned that from his dad. And I've tried to learn that from him. And I would tell you, like, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be like Millicent. I want to be like AJ. But you know what they would tell you? They would tell you they were trying to be like Jesus. That the Bible says Jesus is God in the flesh. That he left the throne of heaven, moved into planet earth, learned our language, and tailor-made an approach to us so that we could go and live with him forever. They would just tell you, oh, we're just trying to be like the God who did this for us. See, I love that story, and I love that example, because that's the kind of reputation I want to have. Not that I just want to sit around and, and feel like I'm that kind of person, but, but do I actually follow through on these things? And in this passage, just a couple lines later, it tells you exactly who they found. These kind of people who had that kind of reputation. 
And I love this list because check this out. It says, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. Like, if, if you're in corporate America, has there ever been a proclamation from, like, further up the organizational tr- chain and everybody liked it? Not in my experience. If you're far enough up the chain, maybe you imagine that that's what's happening further down. But this, everybody agreed. That's a great idea. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Now, one thing you could do here is memorize the verse, and now you've got fun Bible trivia. Who are the seven that were picked, right? But most of them were never heard of again. And what's interesting to me is that still they are named individually. Because these are real people in history that God approached one-on-one and said, I've got an opportunity for you. And one of these guys, Stephen, we actually hear about him a lot. In fact, if your name is Stephen, or Steve, or Stephanie, or Esteban, or Estefania, like all of these variants, the popularity of that name is because of this man. That he is a man who bears one of the most common names, and yet he is known on a first name basis. This is Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting to me because Philip, we think, might be the same Philip we talked about earlier in this series. But Prochorus? Anybody? Prochorus? Nicanor? I know what you think of when I say Timon. It's not that one. (laughs) Right? It's not Pumbaa. And whoever these men are, they fit these qualifications. They fit these qualifications. And what is so intriguing to me about this is that they also served together. That these guys were connected. Just like we talked about, like when you go down to City Gospel, for example, you're serving with others. You get connected. But notice that specific description of Stephen. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. It highlights him because of what's going to happen in chapter 7. But if you go back to verse 3 for the last time, you'll notice that actually the third qualification is very similar to this. It says that when they are choosing these people, they're looking for people who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So in my mind, this is where it turns a corner just a little bit. Because those first two are so practical. Like, yeah, I want to do my market research. I want to tailor my service to the area I'm serving. I want to make sure I'm matching the need that's in that area. Yeah, I want to be a man of good reputation. I mean, I've got two neighbors that are both veterinarians, and they were telling me the other night about how stressful their Google rating can be. I want want four and a half stars or better because I'm relying on that when people are looking for someone in my field. Do I have a good reputation? Just extremely practical. Now this piece gets a little spiritual. If the third qualification is, is something about the Holy Spirit and to be full of the Holy Spirit, It's where it gets a little ooky and kooky and maybe spooky, especially with Halloween right around the corner. Who wants to be filled with spirits this Halloween? I don't. (laughs) So what is he talking about? Because it uses this phrase all over the New Testament. In, In fact, there's even places in the Old Testament where it talks about someone being filled with the Spirit. So there are a lot of things we could talk about that we don't have time for today, but I want to give you just a little bit of what the Bible is talking about. Because you may have heard from time to time things like, 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And there's this idea that God is one God, but he's represented in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it specifically refers to this as the way that God empowers people to obey and faithfully follow him. In fact, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit giving me resources to live out God's plan for my life, to live out the opportunities that he's put in front of me. You know what word the New Testament uses to describe the Holy Spirit? Helper. Helper. When you see Holy Spirit, read that as, hey, God wants to show up in your life and help you. Help you to do things that would be impossible without God. See, I love that picture. Because so many times I think, I I either think of God as like angry judge, or I think of God as like, you know, throw gifts to him and hope that if I actually do meet him someday, it will turn out that he, he likes me well enough to let me in, right? But here's this picture, just like Jesus, that God is a helper and he wants to help you. And so this is how I've kind of rephrased that third qualification. Let God give you custom fit resources. Because this is, again, one of those places where it's the same Holy Spirit. Like, God is who God is. And if that's true, then he is the same God to all of us. And yet we keep talking about his tailor-made approach, and his Holy Spirit is a huge piece of that. Because what you see in the Bible is that sometimes it talks about fruit of the Spirit. Just a metaphor that means the things that come out of my life when I let God work through me. And it is love, joy, peace, patience. Things that all of us need. Like that even when you're serving tables, even when you're trying to help, somebody might complain and you're going to need a little more patience than you might have on your own. God, can I have some of your patience, please? Absolutely, that's what I'm here for. But you'll also see it talk about gifts of the Spirit. And that is something that God gives to a person who has decided that they trust Jesus as their forgiver. God says, then here's something tailor-made for you. For some, it's teaching. For some, it's encouragement. For some, it is wisdom. For some, it's discernment. Like being able to lean into really difficult situations, put the pieces together, and figure out what's the right next step here. And not everybody has the same thing because God takes a different approach to each of us, a different approach to the opportunities he places in your life and says, these are the gifts that God has given to help you. So I know depending on where you're at this morning, that may seem like really far out and really far away. And that's okay. In fact, I would encourage you, people who are exploring God, Jesus, the Bible, whether that is true People who have said, I I believe that that's true, but I still have a lot of questions. People who have been believing that for decades still wrestle with understanding, well, what is the the gift that God's given me right now? How how do I use that? How how could that be? Maybe that's a part of what it looks like to, to go back into some of these places and serve my friends or serve my neighbors or encourage them. You know, it reminds me that all of us are on a different journey. 
All of us are at different places on that journey, and God meets all of us there. In fact, a fun example of this that I got to experience right here at Horizon. A few years ago, I jumped into um, one of our study groups, and definitely like, you know, kind of that, this is the way I like to put it, no prior Bible knowledge required. Like, if, if, seriously, if I'm going to believe that there's a Holy Spirit who wants to give me gifts to help serve the world or serve my family or whatever that is, um, I don't know about you, but I would like to actually read this first before I sign off on that. I know a lot of us skip the fine print, but I, I want to know what God says for himself before I decide if I believe him or trust him or I'm going to try to live that way. And so this was one of those groups where we, we gathered a bunch of guys and honestly all over the map. Some guys that you know, would have already said, hey, I believe that Jesus has forgiven me. Other guys who would say, yeah, I kind of want to believe that, but I need to do more homework first. And then other guys who'd say, I don't know that I believe that or that I ever will, but um, I think before I decide, I want to know what's in there. And so we read through one of the Gospels, one of those biographies of Jesus. And after that, guys wanted to keep going. So we actually did the book of Acts together. And as we kept reading about people like Stephen, guys... Some of them kind of moved to that position of saying, I trust Jesus as my forgiver. Some of them started asking questions like, okay, well, how can we help? We keep seeing people meet needs that we keep seeing people say like, yeah, we don't want to just sit around and feel spiritual. We want to help. We want to see a need, meet a need. Where is that? How do we do that? And so it was so much fun to have not me, like somebody else in the group organize us and get us down to City Gospel Mission. A couple of those guys that started serving in our 0 to 18 programs here at Horizon. But one of the really cool things this past summer was that we had heard about this place called the Aruna Project, where they have a team in India and here in Cincinnati who are working night and day to bring women out of the human trafficking industry. And one of the events that they do every year to raise funds and to raise awareness is what they call the Aruna Run. And it's, it's centered right here in Cincinnati. And so as you look at this group of guys, we did not run that day, maybe next time. <laughs> but one of our guys picked up on this and said, you know what? I reached out to them and they said we could help. I'm like that's, that is so like right on with Acts 6. Lean in and say, hey, where is there a need and how can we meet it? And so we helped with setup and with registration and with all this stuff. And I could tell you, it was one of the most fun things I did all summer. For all the other fun summer stuff, showing up with these guys that way, locking arms and saying, how can we help out, was awesome. So this is my Prochorus. This is my Timon. You got Andrew, Will, Colin, Joe, Joey, and I'm the goofball in the back in the Bills hat. And yes, that was painful against the Titans, but we're going to bounce back, okay? We're going to be okay. But these are my guys. I mean, like the bond that I feel with these guys that I met here at Horizon when we get out there and we, and we serve together just has been so much fun to see them grow and to get to grow with them. And honestly, that's kind of what I'm hoping for you. And maybe I don't know you as well as I know these guys yet. I don't know. Maybe we never will. But who is it in your life that maybe it's, maybe it's your group of seven that you guys can serve together? You know, maybe it's a, a friend or a neighbor or a need that you see in our community here at Horizon or in Cincinnati where you say, I want to lean into that. Because God has a different approach to every one of these guys. Every one of them could tell you a different story. In fact, some of them you've probably heard from this stage. And that's exactly how it was for Stephen. In fact, what I didn't tell you, what happens to Stephen in chapter 7 after serving the tables, he delivers one of the most amazing, like, Bible summary messages you could ever imagine. 
It's the kind of thing that makes you wish he had written entire books. Except that at the end of that message, he's stoned to death for believing in Jesus. That's actually why Stephen becomes so famous. He is, as far as we know, the first martyr of the Christian faith. And as he died, he spoke the same words to the people who were stoning him to death that Jesus spoke from the cross. Forgive them. Forgive them. And in fact, there was a man there that day. You want to talk about a tailor-made approach? God had a tailor-made approach to Stephen and also to a man named Paul. Paul, who wrote like half of the New Testament, was standing there that day approving of Stephen's death because he was so convinced that Jesus was not who he said he was. And I think it's in part by watching Stephen because there's like almost some direct quotes to Stephen's message in some of Paul's letters that God even approached Paul through Stephen's death. Now I think the odds are pretty low (laughs) that you'll be martyred if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But I would encourage you today as we explore Stephen's story, just explore ways to help out. That's kind of my key takeaway for you today. I I told you already I'm not passing around the sign-up sheet, right? But just explore ways to help out. Because when you come into this place, one of the things you've seen for the last few weeks is we have these tan bags. In fact, I brought one up here so I could show you. And this is because we know where we are. We're right here in Newtown. We went over to IPM and said, what do you need? You need food, right? And they said, actually, we need personal supplies. And so we've been filling these bags for the last few weeks with shampoo and a triple pack of toothpaste and all of these things. And there's still one more week to do that. If you grab one of these tan bags, that directly meets a need right in our community. And I know there are a lot of places you could serve, a lot of places you could help out, but I would ask you, would you consider Horizon as one of them? Because if you help out with our coffee, you become one of our baristas. Truth is, you're not really serving coffee. You're serving people. If you help in the parking lot, if you help greeting, when you serve in our 0 to 18 programs, you're not serving Horizon. You're serving people. And you just might discover that you're serving God. So I've got one more song I'd like you to enjoy today. I'm going to pray for you before we do, because this song is called Count on Me. You'll recognize it right away, and it kind of plays on the idea that as friends, we know we can count on each other. But seeing that God is a helper, as you listen to that, I'd also encourage you to think about what it means that God would say that to you, that you can count on him. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much that you call yourself a helper. Lord, that you want to help each and every one of us in a tailor-made way, no matter what it is that is going on in our lives right now. And Lord, if there's something that you're laying on our hearts, a, a need in our community, a need in our city, that we might be a part of how you meet that, Lord, an opportunity even right here at Horizon that we might be a part of, then God, would you give us what we need to be a helper like you? And we'll ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. ever find yourself stuck in the middle of the sea, I'll sail the world to find you.
yourself lost in the dark and you can't see I'll be the light to guide you Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Have a great week. We will see you all next Sunday.